Please be seated and go ahead and get your Bibles open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number two. If you brought your Bible this morning, say amen. amen. Come on now, you're going to need that thing. All right, we're excited about this, excited about getting into the book of Acts and continuing our study. Um, we are just at the beginning of this, and for those of you who are new today, perhaps um, if, you, if you don't know, we want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere under a chair nearby you, um, and just uh, go ahead and if, if you find that Bible, turn to page 911. That's the actual page number that the, uh, the text is at. Acts chapter 2 is where we're at, and uh, we're going to continue this study this morning. This is pretty exciting. Last week was awesome, all right? We were in the first part of the chapter two in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit came down with fire. I mean, people's lives were dramatically changed in one day. Uh, It was just exciting. And uh, how many of you guys would agree with me, the Christian life is far from boring? Thumbs up? Thumbs up? Okay. All right. Thumbs up. Not from this. The Christian life should not be boring, is not boring. Um, and if it is, then we're going to have some fun talking about that today directly to you. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of things I want to get into today, but it's all going to be just wrapped up in these last kind of six verses of this chapter. Um, so let's go ahead and read this, and we're going to kind of dig in and have some fun. This is uh, beginning at verse number 42 of chapter number two, the book of Acts. He says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. All right, let me pause and just catch you up for those of you who are new. Um, last week, the Holy Spirit showed up and really birthed the church. This is the beginning of the church. There was 120 Jesus followers at the time. Well, then at the beginning of chapter number two, they all a lot of people heard the gospel, and they all responded to the gospel, which led to 3,000 people being added to the church. Somebody say, God showed up. Come on, God showed up in a big way. People's lives were changed. Well, this is the outflow of what happened at the beginning when the Holy Spirit showed up in people's lives. So the very first thing that happened, we see here in verse 42, that they devoted themselves to these four things. Let's continue in verse 43. And it says, and awe came upon every soul. This is written in a way that implies continual awe. Continual uh, wonder came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in, the, in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, he added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is such a cool, this is why I say the Christian life is far from boring. Um, and for those of you who perhaps maybe in, in your, your experience of walking with Jesus has been kind of status quo, uh, this is a direct front. This is, this is an affront to you right now uh, because this is the norm of what our life should be like in Christ. And we're going to get into this. Let's start with prayer. I want to just ask the Lord to kind of guide us and lead us this morning. I want to hide myself behind the word and let God's word just kind of dictate to us what he has in store. So let's, let's unite your hearts with mine as we pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to this particular passage of scripture and read what was written thousands of years ago on what you intended your body, your church to be like. Lord, you are continuing to do marvelous things before our eyes as we gather together to worship you. You are alive, God. You rose from the dead 
You're here in our midst, and I pray that as we are gathered together, that we would become increasingly aware of your presence. Lord, give us a fresh fire. Give us a new understanding in regards to what you intended the church to be. Because God, I think too often we drift from what you intended. So I pray that you would restore us the vision of what you had in mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's, uh, I want to share, share, how many would agree with me that the Christian life also is not just um, awesome, but it's kind of like, it's like fire. Anybody pyromaniac? Is there a pyromaniac in here? You just love fire? It's okay. You're, you're normal. Um, well, in regards to fire, I, I love bonfires. And I remember I, was, I grew up in the city, okay? I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I did not grow up in the, in the country. I didn't grow up on a farm. Uh, but my grandfather, uh, who, who kind of lived on a farm, kind of showed me um, what the, the enjoying nature is all about. And he sh- he's the one who told me how to make a bonfire. And he, he kind of said, listen, what you do is you get the, the, the wood together, you stack it up in such a way, and then you light the bad boy. And I love it. Every time you light a fire... It, the, as soon as the fire is fresh, isn't it always bright? It's hot. I mean, it's like an eye catcher, right? Very, very attention getting. Uh, when the fire first lights, it's just big when you get a bonfire going. Any of my pyros in here getting excited? Um, so it's just really cool. But over time, if the fire goes uncared for, it eventually dissipates and kind of goes out. Um, it just kind of turns into a bunch of ash, really. Um, I got a fire pit up here that's going to help me illustrate this throughout this, this message. But I want you to understand, the Christian life is a lot like that. See, what happened in the book of Acts is God showed up and started a fire. Like, literally, people were on fire for God. No joke, all right? Tongues of fire, it's another time we'll get into that. But anyway, just really cool things. People were just lit up. Their passion, this wonderful experience was happening in their midst. People were becoming aware that God's presence was there, and it changed their lives dramatically. And then the Christian life starts with this. This on fire passion for God. But over time, things kind of drift in our lives. And I want to kind of talk to you about this, this. How do we maintain this fire? See, there's three different types of people in this room right now. Some of you are brand new to this Christian faith, right? You've just recently discovered that Jesus truly is alive. That he's not buried. He's, it's not a myth. Jesus is not some old guy that we talk about who's a Messiah. No, He's the real king of kings who rescued your real-hearted issue that you needed forgiveness, and he gave it to you. Wiped away your sin, made you as white as you could be, made you pure in the eyes of God. Like, God, did, Jesus did that for you. And this is all fresh. Like, you are on fire for God. Anybody like that? Say amen. Okay, so that's, that's you. But then there are some of us in here who have been a believer for a, a long time now. Maybe we've been a believer for maybe five plus years, and you know, this, this, this life, this walking with Jesus life is kind of you know, getting routine. It's, it's getting kind of redundant, and maybe the word is boring. Um, maybe the word is stale, and that's you. I mean, just be honest assessing your heart, like you would just say, that's really honestly, Joe, that's where I'm at. And then there's some of you in this room right here, which I'm glad you're here, is this whole, this is, you're skeptical of this whole thing. Like, is this Jesus thing real or not? Like, I know the people that I, I, I go to work with. Maybe someone at work invited you to come today, um, and we're so glad. But I want you to know, you're not, you're not alone. You're not the only one in here who's wondering, is this Jesus thing for real? But I want you to see all three, all three different categories of people. Hear me when I say this. A life with Jesus is truly a life filled with wonder. It is a life filled with wonder. 
My wife and I, we were, uh, when we were in Columbus, Ohio, we were, I was a pastor there in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years or so. And just before we left, we sensed God calling us out of Columbus, Ohio, where we were doing ministry, and all of a sudden, God was telling us to, you know, to the venture awaits. We have some more things to go to. And he, we bought a sign at Hobby Lobby, um, and it says, Adventure Awaits. Such a good reminder to us that it is. Uh, this Christian life is truly an adventure. Um, you don't know what God has in store for you, but that is, the point is, a life with Jesus is a life filled with wonder. Is there wonder in your life right now? Is it there? Well, here's what's so cool about today's text. This is why I love this passage. Is because what we see Luke, the guy who wrote this, who's giving his eyewitness account, he was there when it happened, penned this, and what's amazing to me about this is he's actually telling us some things that happened to these believers. Like, this is what they did right away. Like, right away, he's describing to us what these believers did. But Luke is not writing this letter in a way to simply describe what these believers did. It's actually something that he's doing to prescribe how we are to live our lives today. This is a prescription. This is what God says you need to be doing if you want to continue to see the wonder in your life because what happened there is truly wonderful. And God intends this Christian life to be filled with wonder and that is a question that I want you to be thinking and wrestling with throughout our conversation. I want you to be thinking about is there wonder in my life? And if not, I need to get here. I need to rekindle this. I need to start this. I need to experience what this means, this life with Jesus. Now, one of the things I want you to see that, they, that, he, that Luke kind of points out, he points three things out that they did that I want you to personalize for yourself. The first thing, if you're taking notes, that you'll notice in the text is that they became an uncommon people. So what does that mean for you? Remember, this is not a, a descriptive thing. This is a prescriptive thing, which means you need to do something here if you want to experience this wonder. I want to encourage you to even consider crossing out the words, they became, and put, I must become an uncommon person. See, what, 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 is it, what, is he, what am I getting that from? Uncommon, what do you mean here? Well, in verse 42, the first three words are where I'm catching this. All right, this is what set them apart. This is what made them truly uncommon, and I want you to note this. The first three words, it says, and they, what church? And they devoted. They devoted themselves. That's a cool word. That word devoted really kind of carries with it the idea, if you were to define it, it means uh, it's, a, it's a God-fueled passion to do something. God fueled their lives. He ignited their hearts after conversion. The moment they got saved, all of a sudden there was this eruption that occurred in their heart and in their soul. And they became passionate about these four things that he unpacks for us. So the first thing that defined them as an uncommon person or uncommon people was that they devoted themselves to applying God's word. Now the text says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching, what is that? Well, the apostles were teaching the word of God. They gathered these 3,000 people. Now, keep in mind here, this is a, that's a large group of people to be fitting in one place, right? So they gathered them together. Who knows, maybe they, they broke them into little parts or whatever, and they just communicated, this is what the word of God says. Now, implement this into your lives. Do what God said here. 
And they became very passionate, not just to come to church with their, with their Bibles and then getting, filling their heads with a bunch of cool knowledge about who God is and, and what God did back then. No, no, no. They're filling their head to fill their heart to do what God said in their lives. They want to be an applying church. They want to apply these things to their lives. And this is why I love our church. This is it right here. Because I don't, we don't have to tell you, we don't have to convince you, we don't have to twist your arm to come to church with your Bible. You're ready. You're leaning in. And I love that. I love when I say, open your Bibles. If, you go sign, if, you, if you're quiet, you can hear the pages flipping. I love that. Unless you're cool and you've got cool technology on your phone and whip it out and you know, turn that way. That's fine too. Um, but I, I just, I want to encourage you to continue this. But I want you to see here, they were a people that applied God's word to their lives. I started thinking about this as I was praying and, and asking God for, for clarity in this, in this particular passage. This is what came to my mind, too, um, that the Holy Spirit pressed on me. The Spirit of God always leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. Now think about that. The Spirit of God comes upon these early believers in a glorious way, and what happens is He leads them leads these people of God to submit. This is God's word. It's the authority of my life. I don't call the shots anymore. I used to think I was all that in a bag of chips. I used to think that I was awesome and I could call my own shots. And guess what happened? I made a big mess of my life. Anybody with me? Come on. Yeah, yeah. So now, from now on, I'm devoting my life to doing what God said I need to be doing. Live that kind of a life. And here's what's so cool about this. As they did that, week in and week out, there began to swell up inside of them an even greater delight, a delight for God. See, what happens too often is we kind of go heavy right here, don't we? We got we to get in the Word. We got to do the Word. We got to make sure we're reading three chapters a, a day uh, in the Word of God so we can get through the Bible in a year. All right? And we tend to go heavy right there and just kind of get lopsided. And we're just all about this checklist. Or I got to do the Word of God. But when you're in the word of God with the right heart and for the right reason, what happens is duty and devotion in the word always is counterbalanced by this delight in God. Delight always follows a heart that is applying God's word. You ever been there where you've been so heavy on the duty side and you lack the joy? Like, where's my joy at? I mean, I'm doing everything you said, God, but I don't have this joy. Okay, it's because we're leaning too heavy. We gotta understand, when I'm applying God's word, there's, there, it cultivates this joy, this love for Jesus, this love for God that I could not fabricate myself. So applying God's word will always create this, this counterbalance of duty and, and delight. Duty and delight. It's kind of like two wings on an airplane. It's not gonna fly with just one wing. It has to have both. And when you have duty and delight, you will experience great things. But that's what they did. They were passionate about applying God's word. And as a result of that, they delighted in God. Now, how do I know that? How do you know if, well, let me just ask you. When you are walking with God and you're applying God's word to your heart, you can always tell if you're doing that if you, are, if, if you see this delight for, for something else. The delight for loving people will come naturally as a result of that, which is actually what you see in the text, too. The very next thing, as they were applying God's word, or applying God's word to their lives, the outflow of that produced this, this love for God's people. Let me show you this. It's your second point in your, in your 
handout too. Applying God's word was the first thing they devoted themselves. And then the loving God's people was the second thing we see as an outflow. See, the the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. All right, well, the word fellowship there is this fancy, dancy word. Oh, by the way, a lot of times we think fellowship is like, um, you know, I'm going to go to the fellowship hall. You know what I'm talking about? Fellowship, I'm going to have some fellowship at the football game. You know, us church people who kind of grow up in church, perhaps that's familiar to you. But the word fellowship actually means something uncommon. These, there was something, they had, these, they had this commonness about their lives. Now, mind you, according to this particular chapter, beginning of chapter, there was... 3,000 people that got saved on the same day, more than 3,000. And they all have different backgrounds. In fact, they actually had, they came from 15 different native languages or 15 different uh, cultural dialects are represented here. 15 different cultures, ethnic backgrounds, a wide variety of age, different skin colors. Like this is what you see in the early church, different but yet they had something in common. What did they have in common? They had this, this, this reality. God was their father. Jesus was their savior. And the Holy Spirit was their helper. Every single one of them had that in common, which really was supernaturally amazing. That means, that's what's so, when you talk about uncommonness, this church was so unique. It was so diverse. It didn't matter the skin color of their, that they had on their skin. It didn't matter their cultural background. Dude, I'm like half Arabic and half Italian. What's that? I don't even know what that is. Um, but it's me, right? I mean, that's, that's what's so cool about this church. There were so many different cultural backgrounds, but they loved each other. Here's what happens. It's so neat. This idea of loving each other. This, the, loving God's word. They applied God's word to their lives, and it created this passion to love other people that they were family with. Like, Paul is my family member, man. That's just so cool. And I'm Arabic, you know, and he's, he's not Arabic, all right? So it's just, we're family. We're, God did something in both of our lives. And it resulted not just in a mutual affection for each other, but it resulted in this, this mutual desire to be together. They wanted to be together because of what they had in common. God was our father. Jesus was our savior. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Dude, we are brothers, man. We're sisters. Well, I'm not a sister. You're, never mind. Okay, you get it. So they had this cool relationship. You know that old phrase, birds of a feather flock together. It's the same way with Christians. When they see one of us, they'll see more of us. That should be the case, at least in our lives. And I found it interesting that as they applied God's word, they didn't become hermits. You ever met people like that? Where you just get, man, I got to get in the Bible. Man, I got to get my Bible. My Bible. Three chapters in a day. All right? I'm going to get in it. And you get in the word, and you're digging in there, and you become like this isolated weirdo, okay? Now, we all have weirdos in our family. Weirdos are okay. Perhaps you think I'm weird. Anyway, but we're, it's, it, weirdos are normal. But I want you to see this. They did not isolate themselves. They desired to be together, which is what happens when you are accurately applying God's word. Heart check. Do you desire to be with other people? Do you desire, do you have this desire welling up in your heart right now to love God's people? If not, we've got to get back to this devoting ourselves to applying God's word then. It starts there. Delight follows duty in God's word. 
All right, so keep going. This, this third thing that they have, um, they applied God's word. They loved God's people. This third thing you'll see is they worshiped God's son. There's this worshiping of God's son here. Notice what it continues. It says, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And I didn't mean they were just eating food together. The breaking of bread was this communion time. It was a time of, of really remembering the sacrifice this, that Jesus bled, died, and, and died our death and rose from the grave, and now he's ascended. Like, they're celebrating Jesus together. That's what's so cool here. This is what made them uncommon. Like, they didn't do that before they met Jesus. They, this is so unique to them. And one day, their lives are changed by Jesus, and now they just want to pack in together and worship his son. And that's just so neat to me. They, they worshiped Christ. They remembered. They, they wanted, they, they knew that even if they were seen by other people walking into a place where everybody knew that people were worshiping Jesus there, they didn't care. They were unashamed in their relationship to Jesus, regardless if it meant rejection from other people or if it meant you know, significant loss in their lives. Only one thing mattered, and that was they wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to be with his people. They wanted to worship Jesus Christ for what he did in their lives. That's what you see here. They had this passion to worship his son. And I'll ask you this, another heart check. Do you delight in worshiping Jesus? Like, do you drive your car or do you, on your way to work, where, where's that passion radar at? If you're looking at a scale, like, what, where's the thermometer, where's that speedometer at, all right? Where, where's your passion level for Jesus? Well, if my passion level for Jesus is waning, then that means um, I must not be doing a, a, a consistent job of, of, of loving God's people. If I'm not loving God's people, I don't want to be around God's people, then there's obviously a sign that I'm drifting and applying God's word here. i got to get back to this, man. Well, I'm reading three chapters a day. How about reading one and just applying the things you're hearing in that text? Let's get back there. Apply God's word. And the, 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 third, the fourth thing I'll see that made them an uncommon people was it that they prayed bold prayers? They prayed bold prayers. It says here uh, at the end of verse 42 um, that they devote themselves to the prayers. It doesn't give us any kind of insight into how their prayers uh, looked or what they prayed for in particular, but in chapter 4 we get a glimpse of that. Later on, we're going to get into this, but I'll go give you a snapshot. Um, the apostle Peter was arrested. He was sent in prison, and they believed these people gathered together in their houses, and they just begged God to set this man free to set Peter free. He was in, in shackles, in chains, literally going to be killed. And most, they weren't praying wimpy prayers. They weren't praying, oh God, we know that, you know, you're, you're, you're in control and, you know, if your will be done, God, we know, we know that you, you know, maybe it's his desire, your desire for him to die and uh, maybe, maybe God, if you want him to be free, free, you know, set him free, but maybe, maybe you don't want that, God, maybe you don't want that, maybe you just want, they weren't praying like that. When you read chapter four, they were saying, God, you are the king of the universe. And our man, Paul, or Peter, is locked up in jail. you got to set him free. Nobody else can do that, God. Only you can do it. And would you do it in such a way that other people see that it was you who did that? Like create an earthquake or something. Next thing you know, they hear a knock on the door. Who's that? Oh, that's Peter. What do you mean, Peter? Yeah, we prayed him out of jail. God showed up. I mean, that's, that's the kind of prayers they're talking about. They, here's the bottom line. They believed 
firmly in the power of prayer. They believed in the power of prayer because they knew the size of their God. That's, that's, what these, that's what made these people so unique. They were uncommon because they did these four things. And look what happened as a result of that. Join me in verse 43 now. The result of living this kind of uncommon life of applying and loving and worshiping and praying. Here's what happened. Verse 43. And awe, which is a cool word, another word for meaning for, for wonder, wonder um, came upon every soul. Now, it's taking an inter, it's kind of focusing the lens here on individual lives. He's saying here that awe or wonder was kindled, was fired up in these people's lives because God was showing up in a great way. Why? Why was God showing up in a great way? Because they were doing these four things. They were not doing them out of, I have to, but they were doing them out of a God-fueled passion because they knew as they leaned closer to God, Greater things happened. More wonder happens in your life as you walk with Jesus. Hence, I made the statement earlier that a life with Jesus is a life filled with wonder. It's going to continue to happen in your life. It wasn't a one-time thing and then it's over. When you got saved, no more wonder for you. No, it's supposed to be continuous. And we see that here in this text. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. By the way, the purpose of the wonders and the signs, one reason, is so that people can see Jesus more clearly. That's why they came. That's why wonderful things happen in our lives. Not for our arrogance and pride or did you know God showed up in this way in my life? Bad move, bad move. It's because God is gonna be glorified through his son through your circumstance. My marriage is falling apart. My kids are, are wayward. Whatever your, my, I, got, I got cancer. Whatever the situation you might be in right now, hey, do the, apply God's word. You know God's faithful. Apply God's word. Love God's people. Worship God's son. These are the four things that they did. They prayed bold prayers, and it created this uncommon people, which resulted in an uncommon, I mean, just things were crazy happening. Com, uncommon people experiencing wonderful things. All right, so that's one way. That's what we see here in this text. So essentially, pardon my, my uh, delay here. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a fire going today, all right? Yes, yes. Man, I got some heavy logs here. All right, so applying God's word, we know, helps us kindle a fire. It keeps the fire going. We've got this praying bold prayers and, um, you know, worshiping God's son. Um, and we, also you have this, uh, this element of uh, just, what was, the, what was the first point? I don't even know. I'm getting wood here. I don't even know. Somebody help me out. All right, so you got all four. You got this, they're, they're trying to do what we see here in Scripture, applying God's word, worshiping God's son, loving God's people, praying about prayers. All that's happening here. But what's cool about it is at, the next thing that happens in the text is that they go, Luke kind of takes the lens from focusing on individual people and he broadens this perspective now. We get a broader view of what happens when these individual people come together into what they're all like smaller groups. So Pastor Mark kind of alluded to this earlier. What happens when we gather together in small groups? You are all devoted to doing these four things in our lives, and what happens is now it's concentrated. Now you're gathering together with other people who are devoting to the same thing. You know, they're as well uh, applying God's word and, and spending time together. And what you're getting, you're getting a really cool bonfire here going, man. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be on fire. What happens is it gets more noticeable, gets more heat, more fire. Point is, 
The more you continue to experience, if you want to continue to experience more wonder in your life, it's not just good to focus on your individual walk with the Lord, but it's also this coming together for this uncommon community, which is your second point here. I want you to see this in the text. Going back here, we, we noticed that they, were, they, they, they became an uncommon people that pursued uncommon community. It's so cool. Uncommon, verse 44, we see this. And all who believed were together. Now we're getting that broader lens here. They were together. And they had all things in common. This is kind of alluding to verse, verse 42. We talked about the fellowship again. So he's unpacking for us what that means. They had, this, they had all things in common, the word fellowship. It's not common that they had all things in common. But they were together, all right, this uncommon community. So here's the thing I want you to personalize about it. If, if this is cool that it's describing, he's describing to us what happened in their lives, but I want you to write this down. I must pursue uncommon community. I must do that. I gotta pursue this. This is a me thing, not a, a they thing. So what is uncommon community? What made it so uncommon for them? Well, in verse 45, we begin to get a picture of that. Verse 45 says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So what is Uncommon Community? The first thing Uncommon Community is it's a place for you to support for, to support each other. It's a place where you can support each other's needs. Small group, a, a group of people gathering together to share just this, this supporting structure. You know, when they got close together, here's the reality of what happened in their lives. They began to see that, you know, they have issues. They got needs. Like so-and-so's got a... Um, a spiritual issue here, and so this, I've got a, I got a physical need here, and I've got this issue happening in my marriage, and, and they're supporting each other in their need. Now, this is where most of us drift. Hear me when I say this. Most of us are okay doing the individual focus on our walk with the Lord. We can apply God's word and pray bold prayers personally, but when you start telling me that I gotta, I gotta get together with other believers in order to continue the wonder in my life, in order to continue to experience God's amazing, remarkable things that he has for me, that's where I'm off, the, I'm off, that, I'm off that plan. I don't want to get on that. I, don't wanna, I, I prefer doing life alone. Um, that's just not me. In fact, as a small group pastor, I have heard several excuses right here, several reasons why. Really, there's really four common reasons uh, why people say, I, I am not in community. This is the reason why I'm not in community, all right? Four common reasons. Number one, this is just fun facts, all right? This is where uh, I, I'm going to introduce you to my world. This is what I see in here. All right, number one, um, I have been hurt in the past. You ever, you ever heard somebody say that? Man, I would, I would join a, a, a small group or I would join an uncommon community. Um, I mean, I know we're family and all, but listen, man, I've been hurt in the past by people. Anybody have been there? Yeah? Okay. I've been hurt before. It stinks, and I'm not diminishing the fact, I'm not belittling the fact that you've been hurt by people in a small group context. I will say this, I'm sorry that that happened, but that doesn't give you an excuse to not being uncommon community. See, this, I have been hurt by other people, really it's a forgiveness problem. I've got to forgive this person. If I'm going to get in an uncommon, if I'm going to be in a small group where I can continue to see this fire of God, the passion for the Lord grow in my life, then that means, yeah, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to cross that bridge. You're going to have to forgive some people for what they did to you. Release somebody from the obligation that they incurred whenever they offended you. You're going to have to release people in order to experience this. 
I've heard this several times. I've been hurt. I've been hurt. The second thing is this, um, I think is pretty interesting. It, it's the idea of, I, I don't, um, go ahead and show I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. I have too many issues. Man, that's so real. I have too many issues. Joe, I've got, my, my, my kids are rebellious. I, my, I've, I struggle with this particular issue in my life, and I just don't want to expose myself to people in our church so that they can hear all about my issues. I got issues. Well, so does everybody else in this room have issues. Everyone has issues. Your issues may be a little bit different, but we all have issues. Listen, we have all been impacted in a negative way. We've all been wrecked by sin in our lives, every one of us. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all level on the same playing field. We all have issues. But really, when you get to the root of this particular excuse, you know what it is? It's a fear problem. I don't, I don't really want, I don't really trust that they're going to do uh, uh, help me out when I tell these people these things. And it's, I don't really trust them, right? I don't really have confidence in that. You know, here when I say this, here at Harvest, we are not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. We're kind of scattered throughout the week in small groups in this because we know that this really is truly the prescription for our lives. And when we gather together, it's going to be, hear me when I say this, it's our time together in Uncommon Community. It's going to be a safe place to be real. But it is not going to be a soft place where sin is going to be tolerated. I need my brothers in my small group, and I see you back there. Um, <laughs> I need my brothers to kick me in the pants and call sin, sin in my life and not let me get, not let me get away with it. You're a pastor, Joe. Yeah, I am. I'm human. I got issues, all right? But I'm not going to let fear keep me from experiencing the wonder that God has for me in my life. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Okay. All right. The third thing I want you to see here, the third common excuse is I don't have time to be in small group. I don't have time to be in community. I mean, I'm too busy. I mean, I got this going on. My kids got to run them here, and I'm just like a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chauffeur. That's what I do with my life. That's all I do. Or, you know, what, I mean, whatever the case is, we all have these. And listen, there are legitimate cases, but I'm not belittling that either. But don't let I'm too busy excuse keep you from experiencing the wonder that God has for you in your life. You know what I would tell you to do? Is start getting unbusy, right? Oh, that's easy for you to say, Joe. Come on, you don't do anything all week, right? Right, yeah, I just sit in my chair and just twirl all day long in my chair. Yeah, no, we're all busy, we're all busy, but we have to make things that are important for our growth and our wonder and the kindling of God, God's passion in our lives. If we want this, then we have to make sacrifices, we have to make this a priority in our lives. And when you get to the root of this one, this uh, I don't have time issue, this is a selfish problem where your whole world orbits around you. Like, if I don't do this, then it's not going to be done, Joe. Do you know what I'd say? Then maybe, maybe there's something that needs to go undone. You know? Maybe there's some things that need to go undone for the sake of your soul. I'm, just, I'm not playing the Holy Spirit. I'll let the Holy Spirit you know, work with you on that. But I want you to hear these. I know I'm offending you, and I'm pressing in on this. No excuses. If you want wonder of God, you've got to do it God's way. All right? So let's get back to here. I want you to see this last excuse here. That's here all the time. Is I don't need this. This is one of my favorite ones. I don't need small group, Joe. I got this thing down. Man, God's all over me like wine on rice. Man, 
I'm serious. God is working in big ways. I mean, he's, he's, listen, I just led my coworker to the Lord. He's showing up in wonderful things and, and answering great prayers in my life. I don't think I need Uncommon Community right now. Okay, if you think you don't, that's a pride problem is what that is. What you're doing is you're, you're saying, I'm a sheep, but I'm, I can defend myself against any wolves. No, no, no. You, you got to, when you're in this and you're in this situation, you've got other people looking out for you and with you. They're covering your back. You need this more than you think you do. All right, so I'm going to have an illustration. Can, could you, Paul, and you guys come up here? I want to have, have you guys help me. How many of you guys have ever watched football games before and you see a, a guy get hurt playing football? Have you seen that? All right. Now, have you ever seen, have you ever seen a guy who gets injured in the middle of the field? Um, you know, they, of course, his team players come over to help him out. Have you ever seen him just push his team players away and say, no, 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 I got this. And he army crawls to the side of the lines. You ever seen that? No, I've never seen that. So, like, if, if a guy gets hurt, he's going to have the support of his teammates. And these guys are teammates. All right. So, um, so what's cool about it is whenever that happens, um, what typically I hear, this is what goes in my head because I have a clear imagination. When, whenever we are believers, you're going to fall. You're going to struggle with sin. But what typically happens is this is how ludicrous it is to say, I don't want to be in an uncommon small group. I don't want to be in an uncommon community. This is what it's like. All right. I'm injured. I'm an injured player right now. I hurt my leg. It doesn't take much. Hey, yo, yo, back, yeah. back away, yo. Back away. Listen, I have been hurt by you in the past. You guys helped me before, and you dropped me. I'm out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you. Back away. No, that's ludicrous, right? But that's what we're doing. Oh, but how about this one? I, I, I got too many issues, Paul. Have you seen my leg? It's backwards, man. It don't even make sense. It's bad. This shouldn't be this way. This is a serious. I got too many. You don't want nothing to do with this, Paul. I'm telling you. Get away. No, no. Or how about this one? I, 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 man, I don't got time for y'all. I, I got to get over myself. I'm going to get over there. And you crawl? Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Or this last one, I, I don't need it. I can do it all myself. Now, I learned this through the through technique at practice. Which you call, it's called a roll. You just roll and you have a hurt leg. No. Come on, guys. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely absurd when you read a passage like this and have the audacity to say, I have too many things going on in my life to be an uncommon community. If you think that, this is what it's like. It's absolutely absurd. And the truth is, you're missing out on the wonder that God has for you if you would just do it God's way. Uncommon people pursuing uncommon community. That's what I'm after. I want you to experience the wonder of God. Thank you guys for your help. You just had to stand there and look good. That's all you had to do. All right. All right, so let's continue in this passage. I want you to see this as we kind of wrap it up. Um, not only is it that they support each other, but they also shared each other's lives. This is pretty awesome too. They shared each other's lives. Verse 46, I want you to see this. And day by day, attending the temple uh, together, they are breaking bread in their homes and they receive their food with gladness and glad, generous hearts. They have the, what happens here is Luke is kind of showing you, he's kind of giving you highlights of what it's like to be in an uncommon community. Because they support each other, they help each other up, they hold each other up, but they also have this sharing life together. And it's almost like he's kind of showing us a photo book. And in our day, it would be like whipping out your, your phone and going through and say, oh, look, look, this is whenever we went to church together, me and my small group, and man, it was so cool. We were just so excited about being in church, sitting on the road together. And, and this, this picture here is whenever we actually went to John's house after church on Sunday he usually makes the best apple pie. I mean, I don't know what that guy's got, but it's amazing. I love hanging out with him, going to his house afterwards. And, and then, oh, this is when we actually went to the bowling. Man, we went bowling on Friday night. Look at this picture. 
Jason, he tried to do the moonwalk and he fell backwards on his face. It was the funniest thing. He like did this turn and like landed on his face. I don't know how to explain it, but it was so funny. This was when, oh yeah, this picture here. This is whenever uh, uh, Derek's mom was passing away of cancer. And uh, we went to the hospital and we just, we were with Derek and he wasn't alone in that moment. We just, we prayed with him and we just loved on him. Yeah, that's when this picture was taken. When you, when you pull out your phone, you know, and you were to look at your phone and your pictures and the pictures of your life, are you alone? Like, are you, are there, are any of us in those pictures? Because if not, then you're not, you're not experiencing this. You're missing out on the sharing of life together the way God has called and created you to experience. It's got to get back to what God instructed. This is a prescription. Uncommon people pursuing uncommon community. And notice what happens. Luke kind of zooms the lens out even further. He kind of goes backwards and gives you an even broader perspective of what happens when God's people become uncommon people devoted to those four things and that press in and lean into being an uncommon community. This is an amazing thing that happens. Look how the passage ends in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. What an amazing, so this wonder, okay, this wonder that happened in their small group began to become expansive. It began to get even better, all right? Yes, pyromaniacs. Okay, I've got lighter fluid now. Here's what happens in this passage, okay? What you have here is they're all gathering together in their small groups, but then they go from their small groups to, to the actual worship center on Sunday morning, and they're all on fire because all week long, they've been supporting each other, they've been sharing their lives together, and then they come, and they submit themselves to the word of God, and they apply God's word together. Yes, they apply God's word together, and then um, they're, they're, they're loving each other uh, in small group, and even at church now, people are walking and high-fiving, they're serving Christ together, I mean, it's amazing. And then you got this worshiping God's son. Yo, we get down in worship. This is it, man. We gather together and we worship the Lord. It's amazing, right? And then last thing is, man, we pray bold, audacious, amazing prayers. And somebody say, light this bad boy. Okay. All right. Well, here's what's happening. What I love about this, what I love about this passage. Oh, yeah, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> what I love is that they made an absolutely uncommon impact. Think about it. You had all these people here, the Bible says in verse 47, that they had favor with all the people. That means people who are not in the church, people who were separated from, from the church. They didn't know anything about it, but they knew something was different about these people. They were uncommon people. And then they gathered together an uncommon community, and then they came together and they, they applied God's word. Something amazing happened. So here's what happens. When you invite your, your, your neighbor um, to, uh, to church, and they come uh, to, to actually experience this worship and experience what you and I experience every Sunday, they actually begin to realize this isn't a joke. Like God's really here. The presence of God is in this place. I love hearing that comment. Every single week we hear people tell us, or at least lately, um, I love coming to your church because the presence of God is here. So it's kind of like this. We come to church and we invite our neighbors to come but the whole point is so that they can see Jesus more clearly in our lives because we're uncommon people pursuing uncommon community. You know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not, not going to do it. 
Here's the reason why I'm not going to do it. Because the real thing is so much better than this illustration could ever portray. It's so much better. You can't make up the image of God showing up in a place. Last Sunday, people were baptized. Lives were dramatically changed. Their stories were told. We heard stories. People were sitting in the back of the auditorium, and they realized for the first time, God is real. Like, I can't see Jesus. I I can't see Jesus, but I feel he's in this place. He's moving. I can sense his presence. I don't know how to describe it to you. I just know he's here. I can see their love for each other. I can feel their, their warmth and their embrace. I see their, how they pray together. Like he's in the room with them. Like God is here. Eyes begin to swell up with tears because they know that they're standing in the midst of God himself and great impact was made as a result. Here's the reality. Here's, this, is the, this is the point I want you to get at. From reading this text, here's the point. When we become an uncommon person or uncommon people, when we become uncommon people that pursue uncommon community, you will see God make an uncommon impact through your life. And what's so amazing is we experience this together every week as we apply God's word and worship God's son and pray bold prayers and love each other. But there's so many people that don't experience this. What I love about it is this text tells us that they went out of their way. They weren't just so focused on what's going on in the building. They weren't just so focused on what's going on in their homes and small group. This togetherness created a desire to communicate this outside of the walls. You ever notice that the Holy Spirit was a sent spirit? If the Holy Spirit's a sent spirit, then we are to be a sent people. Because the Spirit of God is inside of us. Then there's a lot of people who don't experience what we get to experience day by day. So let's get after inviting people to this. Uncommon people, when they pursue uncommon community, will see God make an uncommon impact in their lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. For the, not just the description of what happened in this passage, but Lord, the prescription. We now know clearly what you designed the church to be and how you designed our lives to to, to look and what you want us to be about and what our passion should be. And I pray, oh God, that you would please convict the hearts of the people in here right now that perhaps have lost the wonder of following you. I pray that they would have this resurge of a passion to, to obey you, to be a devoted person, But then also, God, encourage them through the power of your spirit to connect to the local body of believers, God. Connect to uncommon community where support can be had and they can share their lives with other people. And I pray that you allow all of us to to be powerful illustrations of the wonder of God. You are alive, God. You want to use us to point people to you. So I pray that you would do that with us. Make our lives be all about portraying Jesus to the world. In Jesus' name.